everything technology from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Lovely to be with you here once again on Your Tech Life, episode 366. Thanks to the good folk at um, Trend Micro, internet security, uh, keeping you protected, especially in these heated moments of ransomware woes. Uh, Garmin, satellite navigation, GPS technology, and Alcatel mobile phones. Now, there is a bit around, a little bit around this week, um, but it'll probably be a quick show because I'm, uh, oh my God, I've been home for, I don't know, six days, and I leave again on Sunday. Frankly, the office is a mess, and I've got some videos to record. Uh, look, it's just a nightmare. I'm right. Here's the problem with list writing. I write a list of all the things I must get done by Sunday lunchtime, and I keep thinking of new things and not crossing anything off. <laughs> so, not great, but so goes life. Uh, anyway, it's a pleasure to be here, and we'll talk about all the tech news this week. Plus, I want to talk about the the Facebook, um, uh, I guess, revelations this week. Um, the Guardian newspaper had some interesting insights into how Facebook tries to classify content. You know, is it uh, is it something they should remove? Is should it be moderated? There's some very interesting, uh, I guess, moral quandaries there. So we'll talk to someone from uh, a university, someone who studies these kinds of things. Um, and just see what exactly moderation can do, what computers can do, and where the, law, the line should be drawn. Um, there's a bit, bit around. I went to CBIT yesterday. Uh, I'll tell you about a cool thing I saw there. There's drone news. There's radio news. There's um, there's also great competition news. Plus, um, if we can, we'll get to your calls on uh, on the website. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. It's all you need to do to get in touch. Thanks to the good people at Trend Micro Garmin and Alcatel. You're listening to Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. mentioned before, you absolutely should uh, follow the EFTM Facebook page because every Tuesday we give something cool away. Uh, this week we're giving away a couple of Kobo e-readers um, and all you got to do is you know, hit like. It's very easy. You don't need to do anything much at all other than just hit like. Um, but uh, the other thing is we've had a bit of a plan and I finally got to put it into place this week thanks to the good people at Belkin. Um, I've launched a competition which I've called... Australia's next tech blogger. So if you're someone who just loves tech, doesn't mind a bit of writing, maybe you fancy yourself as a writer, maybe you run your own website, you want to run your own website, you want to write for someone else, you want to become a journalist, I don't know, uh, whatever it is that gets you interested, we're going to take someone to Las Vegas with us next January. 
we're going to have someone new join the EFTM crew and be Australia's next tech blogger. So there are already five of us going to CES. Uh, you will be the sixth wheel. You will work your ass off uh, because CES is not an easy event to cover, but you will learn everything you need to learn about uh, being a, a tech reporter, a tech journalist, a tech blogger. Uh, and in fact, you'll get an opportunity that there are plenty of actual journalists have not yet experienced, and that is covering CES. And um, frankly, we do it better than anyone else. Um, we have a great setup at, at, in Las Vegas uh, for the event, and I'd love you to be part of it. So this is, a, this is not taking the mickey. This is real. This is a competition. It's running now. Uh, EFTM.com.au forward slash ANTB, Australia's Next Tech Blogger. Uh, you'll see the links on every single page anyway. But here's the thing. Um, all you need to do is submit three articles. So you need to be a bit um, bit smart about it. You need to have images and you need to lay them out in a certain way. You need to, um, uh, you know, you need to do an article for EFTM, although not actually posted on our website. Three of them you need to do and submit it to us. Now, hopefully we'll get a few good submissions and that'll mean we'll need to narrow it down to finalists. And then we will set a, a bit more of a pressure test challenge because CES is a pressure environment and not as easy as you might think. And then we'll pick a winner. And that winner will get uh, a return airfare to uh, the Americas. Um, you'll either join us on the road trip across or you'll fly straight into Las Vegas. All that to be determined. But you'll come to Las Vegas with us in January. Um, you'll spend anywhere between five and ten days on the ground with us um, covering CES, reporting on CES, learning about the greatest and latest in tech. There's so much to see there. You will be in your element. Um, we will um, cover all your expenses as best we can. We'll also give you $1,000 spending money, and our mates at Belkin will give you a huge pack of goodies to make sure that you are well looked after um, for the event. So, look, it's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. If you aren't personally interested and you know someone who would be, let us know. Let them know. Get them to enter. Um, we are legitimately going to take someone else with us. So um, we want to find someone great. We, in fact, I'm only going to take someone great. I'm not going to, I just won't take anyone if, it's, if there's no good entries. Um, I, I legitimately want to find someone who's desperately keen to be in the game and wants to consider this as being maybe their future. Um, there's no job on offer. There's no um, long-term prospect on offer um, because we do EFTM as a hobby. Um, you can happily keep writing for us if you want, but um, uh, there'll be no money. Um, but it's a great opportunity to see CES, see Las Vegas, and uh, learn a, a bit of a, a new new trade, shall we call it. Um, so that is that is a genuine opportunity. It exists now, eftm.com.au. You'll find um, links on every page to the competition. Uh, nice and easy to run. So, yeah, we'd love to, to hear from you if you've, if you've got an interest in it, if, you, if you're keen, uh, and if you know someone else who's keen, just get in touch. Let them know that they need to enter. Australia's next tech blogger, thanks to EFTM and Belkin. So I went down to CBIT uh, yesterday. Now, CBIT is a uh, annual trade show. It's um, uh, born out of a, a German show, CBIT in Hanover and um, it, it comes globally to a bunch of places but the Australian version is it's a reasonably small show it's not a consumer tech show I've been many a time and always kind of leave thinking oh, that was very nerdy um, because you're talking about I mean I, I met a bloke yesterday who 
provides automation power solutions, which I didn't even know existed. These little boxes that sit inside office buildings. I mean, it's just amazing what exists in the world that you don't know about. Um, but I did come across a couple of items, which hopefully I'll get time to write about on EFTM this week. One of them I already have. Firstly, uh, um, and not massively techie, but but I guess there's tech in it somewhere. Um, a car wash that uses no water than that you could drink. Okay? This is a little, um, uh, in a bottle, you, you pour a small amount of it onto a rag and you wipe down your car. It it emulsifies the dirt, it wipes off the, the car, and you just wash the the, um, the towel, essentially, in your washing machine. You don't, you're saving hundreds of litres of water, and uh, this little Aussie innovation um, has a bit of government funding, and it's doing its best and trying to save the environment. The next one was um, much more interesting to me from a, from a tech perspective. Um, it was a drone, but now let's be clear, a drone is not a flying vehicle. A drone does not have to be a flying vehicle, to be precise. A drone is simply a, an autonomous vehicle. Now, someone has created uh, Slash Tech. Slasher Tech is what they're called. Now, Slasher Tech is a company that makes things like lawnmowers or technology for um, tractors so that uh, councils can mow the sides of motorways and, and highways. And Slasher Tech realized that part of the, the, the game, part of the, the idea of, of you know, slashing the sides of the road was you had to have a car parked at the back of the, the run, a car parked at the front, big flashing lights, arrows, all that kind of stuff, telling people that it was going on and be careful and drive around it. What if you could save the number of cars you needed and the number of people you needed by having an autonomous vehicle that sits on the side of the road uh, and warns people of the uh, upcoming roadworks or RBT or, um, you know, roadside lawn mowing. Now, to go one step further, they've made them autonomous. So what happens is the driver of the tractor will go out in a car first thing in the morning and drive the 20 or 30 k's he plans to mow today. And that will drop a GPS signal into a little box of device, um, a bread crumb as we call them, that leaves a, leaves a marking, a trail of the actual course they plan to take. And then they load up the, the autonomous vehicles, they put them on a, on a trailer, they park where they're going to start, and one trailer might go 50 metres behind the tractor, one uh, of these little drones might go 50 metres in front of the tractor, and they will drive this route, um, keeping a safe distance to the tractor, but, but following the route that was set earlier. So basically a single tractor driver could have um, you know, two vehicles alerting traffic of its presence, safely mow the lawns and then get back onto their day without having to need, you know, multiple people, multiple cars and all that kind of palaver. I know it's crazy and it's kind of far-fetched to think about, but it's a very simple solution. It's Aussie. Um, the drone company was Australian and they were then licensed to this slasher tech uh, who are also Australian. They're doing all the development for it. And as I said, one of the other options is for RBT. You know, in an RBT, they park a police car at the front and back of the queue. Then they park a few more cars on the side of the road and they pull over drivers. Um, imagine you now just uh, pull two of these vehicles off the back of a trailer, um, put one of them at the back of the queue, one at the front of the queue, and then the police in the middle do do, do their job. Uh, I assume you're saving um, the need for extra cars to be off the road, police cars, um, and they're smaller, portable, and uh, very, very simple to use. So it could be used for roadworks. As I said, it's, there's a bunch of different uses. Really, really cool, fun tech. Um, Aussie. Slasher, um, slasher Tech is what it, what it was called. I put some photos up on eftm.com.au. Now, the last one I think it's really important to tell you about, which is interesting, uh, is called Worker, Powered by Worker Clicks. And it is a live help um, 
shall we call it a console, um, um, a, a, a person? <laughs> so instead of having people with big information badges on, standing at every door, helping people through, because you might have 50 people and only 10 of them doing anything at one time, you put these, they look like big iPads at every entrance or key wayfinding areas. And what happens is uh, you walk up to it and you touch it if you need some help. And when you touch it, it activates um, the screen back at a kind of call center. Now, at CBIT, they had, I think, uh, 16 of these screens all around the show floor, and they had six people manning them in a control center. So at any one time, those six people can see into those 16 screens, and they can have up to six conversations at a time. And obviously, then other people can be in a queue for the same um, conversation. But the technology is such that they can also follow you so they can see, they can direct you down one way and they can actually then open the eyes on another one of these consoles and check that you got to the destination you're asking for. Um, actually, really, really good quality uh, video, good quality audio. Um, and it's all about giving uh, live help, as I said, powered by um, worker class. And uh, yeah, really great live chat assistance. Now, this is great in a, um, uh, you know, uh, exhibition environment like this. But then the other um, environment they see some potential um, use is in um, tourist attractions. So maybe a big Sydney tourist attraction might have them to guide people around and give assistance without having to have staff everywhere. And the other thing that it could do is could be in a retail store. So imagine uh, LG have the greatest uh, tech support or you know, sales advice person in the world sitting in their head office. Can't be in every store. So they set up one of these in every store. And if someone taps the screen, they pipe straight into the LG expert who can have a, a genuine conversation with them about the, their buying decisions, their, their product needs, and can give them some ideas and some advice. Uh, might be laptops, might be TVs, might be anything. But, you know, retail sales advice uh, on an expert level is a really, really cool idea. So, yeah, not, not bad at all. Um, so, very cool stuff. Um, I'll put that one up as well, hopefully soon, on eftm.com.au um, because I thought they were, they were interesting. I didn't spend a lot of time on the show floor. I was there to, to host a, a Taiwan Trade Expo uh, uh, conference, um, and it was very interesting. To What about this? Taiwan is half the size of Tasmania, but it's the 22nd biggest economy in the world. <laughs> I mean, really? Isn't that staggering? 22nd biggest economy in the world. It's half the size of Tasmania. Just feel like we're, um, we're, not, we're not pushing hard enough, are we? Interesting. Uh, you're listening to Your Tech Life. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Trend Micro. And this little box, the Trend Micro Home Network Security Box, is just fantastic for your home. It is about 300 bucks, but it will protect your devices. Things like... Uh, gaming consoles, smart TVs, devices that you can't install antivirus software on. It will block malicious websites on them, um, things that you can't do uh, in any other way than put a device like this on your network. Monitors or restricts web usage of internet for your children. It defends against network attacks, monitors network intrusions and notifies you of any risk of cybercrime and can control the usage and security of connected devices via a simple mobile app. Really cool product, simple to use, plug it into power, plug it into your network, and you are off and running. Trend Micro, home network security, uh, now available. Look it up, just search Trend Micro, home network security. Now, what about DJI, the manufacturer of some of the uh, 
the most popular drones in the world, have released a firmware upgrade and an app update that what, what it will require is it will require you, A, to register your device. Um, and, and B, if they haven't registered your de- if you haven't registered your device, it will severely limit what it can do. So it will limit the flight height, flight time, flight uh, radius. Um, and all this is about protecting uh, important areas of our, our nations. So they're creating no-fly zones and they're enforcing those no-fly zones and, and rules. So, look, it's a very good thing in the end. Um, it, will, it will upset a lot of drone owners, I'm sure, because some of them push the boundaries. Um, but in the end, uh, it's probably worthwhile putting in place much more uh, you know, strict, strict uh, flight rules within the drones themselves because there are a lot of idiots uh, flying them, and that's the biggest problem. But if you've got a DJI uh, drone, might be worth doing the update ASAP because the most annoying thing that can happen to you is you want to go flying quickly, and you've got to do all these updates. So beware, DJI doing a bit of a flight update to their app, uh, which will restrict flight um, areas if you don't register your device with them. So interesting twist on the registration of drones, and I think not a bad way to go. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life life with Trevor Long. So I um, had this hilarious fun this week of talking about two things that seem like ridiculous topics of discussion. But what about this? Here's the two headlines. You can now watch free-to-air TV on your big screen TV, and you can now listen to radio in your car. Now, both those things have been possible for about 50 years, <laughs> possibly a lot more, let's be honest. But the the changes that occurred this week are actually really, really important for people in different use case scenarios. So uh, Freeview FV, the free-to-air streaming television app uh, made by all of the TV networks, um, now allows Chromecasting. So if you've got a big TV uh, with a Chromecast dongle attached or Chromecast built in and you're watching SBS, you can just press a button and it appears on your big screen TV. Now, yes, most big screen TVs can be plugged into antenna and receive those channels, but uh, for whatever reason, your antenna doesn't work, you've never plugged it in, you've got bad reception in the area, you can now take the big streaming box that you have, which is that little tiny mobile phone in your pocket, and you can pump it up onto the big screen. So not revolutionary, but very interesting. Same could be said for radio. Now, last November or October, we told you about Radio App, which is a great uh, app built by the people at AIM, All In Media, for the commercial radio industry in Australia. And what it does is allows you to listen to pretty much every radio station in Australia at the tap of a button, set favourites. So I've got about 30 radio stations that I report to every week. I can just flick through and listen to them very quickly and easily. The streams load so fast. Uh, it, it is it is just excellent. And um, what they've done is they've added Apple CarPlay and Android Auto um, to, their, um, to their application. So... What this means is you can now get access to a radio app while you're driving along via the center console of your car. Now, yes, that's where radio's always been. But here's my point. If radio isn't in the new world, then the, the default options people will take when they plug their phone in or it wirelessly connects to their device and the apps for their phone come up on the screen is Spotify and Pandora and TuneIn Radio or, I don't know, podcasts. Good, good, good. But if radio's not there... People won't go out of their app environment into the AM radio to listen to the radio. This is why it's critical that that radio app is available on these car platforms. 
and it is outstanding that they've got it working. And it works really well. I've tested it um, in a Volvo I'm driving at the moment, which has Apple CarPlay, and it's fantastic. Highly recommended. Really, really like what they've done with the product. Um, so Radio App is what it's called. Uh, you can download it now uh, at uh, at the Google Play Store and App Store. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's called Radio App. And if you've got Apple CarPlay or an Android Auto, well worth your look, people, because uh, a cracking little product is Radio App. Check it out now. Uh, Radio App and details at eftm.com.au. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin. The Garmin Vivo Fit Junior is a cracking little product. It's 99 bucks. comes in five different colors. And not only does it track your kids' steps and fitness, but it gives you some ability to give them reminders and maybe even incentives. It's got a one-year battery life, a kid-friendly design. It tracks steps, sleeps, and 60 minutes of daily recommended activity. And the free parent-controlled app includes fun and educational mobile adventures for kids and chore behavior management for parents. Kids can earn coins within the app uh, to be redeemed for agreed upon rewards managed by you, the parent. So you could tell it to brush their teeth. You could say, you know, you've got to do the dishes. You can set all these chores. And if they complete the chores, they get these uh, in-app coins. And you can you can determine that, you know, 60 coins gives you a dollar uh, or whatever it might be. So fun little uh, gamification of a fitness tracker. And it's available now Rebel Sport in places. But check it out online. The Vivo Fit Junior at Garmin.com. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, Facebook has come under increased fire in recent years for the policing of content posted on the social media platform. And it hasn't all been one-sided, with some people outraged by offensive things left on the site and other people concerned about Facebook becoming a huge censorship machine. And adding fuel to the fire, there really hasn't been a lot of transparency from Facebook about what exactly they do consider to be offensive. Well, today the Guardian newspaper online revealed what they say is Facebook rules and guidelines for posting. Joining us now to chat about what they found is Dr. Beckett from the School of Culture and Communications at the University of Melbourne. Good evening, Dr. Beckett. Good evening. How are you? Well, very well. This was interesting today because I guess I've thought a lot about the moderation system and processes and we had stories of thousands of new employees coming to Facebook. But what did you make of the line Facebook draws between what they consider I guess, violent and what they let slide. It's a, it's a pretty grey area, but they're trying to define it, aren't they? They are trying to define it, and it's you're right in saying it's because they've come under fire recently, most uh, strongly because of the live streaming that's been going on. Mm. So we've had people committing suicide online, committing murders, all sorts of things, which nobody in, wants popping up in their feed. Uh, so, yeah, they are struggling with it at the moment, but one of the things that they operate under is that they're a global company. Mm. So they kind of have to have very broad moderation guidelines that sort of fit a global context. And then they do try to specify down. But again, we've got millions and millions of pieces of information being posted on Facebook mm. every hour. So it's a, it's an enormous job for them to undertake. And the interesting thing is, I mean, they've got to walk the line between being fair and over-censoring, so the issue of privacy versus the issue of, you know, what people shouldn't should never see. Um, is that their biggest challenge or is the cultural stuff just as big for them? Look, I think the cultural stuff is, is part of 
are they being fair or are they over-censoring? So, for instance, in Australia, Mia Garlic, who is the head of policy for mm. Facebook in Australia, she pointed out at an event that I was at that Australians love to post bum pics. We have no problem. Really? Post, yeah. <laughs> we have no problem with posting photographs of our bare bums on Facebook. Right, okay. I've not no. come across that, but that's okay. <laughs> Neither have I. I'm in a different you. social group, obviously. But <laughs> obviously, what you're saying is that in some cultures that would be completely inappropriate, right? Exactly. And so they get censored off Facebook even ah. though they're appropriate within an Australian context. But because our content travels beyond our own cultural context, we have to be aware of how that might be perceived by another culture. So how does it fit for them if they, let's say they employ 3,000 people, and let's be real, they didn't employ you know 200 Australians, 200 Americans, and they did, they're not employed proportionally to the uh, geographical spread of Facebook, are they? They're probably in a large concentration in one area. So how on earth can a bunch of humans in any space determine the cultural sensitivities of, of the entire planet? Well, that's the thing. It's very, very difficult to do that. And they do do their best to try and yeah. capture most of those people. So, for instance, there's a team that are in Facebook um, in Berlin. There's some people who are in Australia, various other people. So they do try to... Um, get around some of those things, make sure that mm -hmm. they're not being unfair. But for the most part, they really are sort of stuck um, dealing with a global culture rather than specific cultures. Now, there are things that they do. For instance, if something is illegal in a specific country but not illegal more broadly around the place, they mm. will geolock that kind of content okay. out of that country. So they can do things like that. But again, mm -hmm. that often requires a human moderator being told, oh, this thing has, has popped up. So they have a legal team who and the moderators who work together to try and do that kind of stuff. So in but your research, you, you found that the, all the best algorithms and computers in the world, and we should explain, an algorithm is simply a computer reading stuff and, and making judgments based on what it's been kind of programmed to know, like rules and culture and things. But all of the best levels of computing power can't replace that need for a human eye, which is why we've spent time here talking about the amount of human eyes that need to go over this content. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. But it's it's also Facebook has what's called like sort of a community moderation. So rather than they use sort of those algorithms to get rid of things like child porn where they can so that nobody, mm -hmm. as many people, have to, you know, don't want people having to see that. But as you but point when, out in your in your article on the conversation, it needs to know about that before it can get rid exactly, of it. Exactly. So and everything yeah. needs to be taught, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And look, this is a problem in terms of sort of the mental health of people who do this work. And even in The Guardian's stuff that came out today, there was an article about the mental health tolls of moderation mm. that happens for Facebook moderators. So I think one of the things that I was a bit concerned about today when I was reading everything was the fact that everyone's going to have a go at the moderators for not being fair. Yeah. And that's actually, they're, they're stuck dealing with the guidelines that Facebook have given them they and they're also feel, human beings who and, and, yeah, make exactly. judgments and make mistakes and make interpretations and are nowhere near as black and white as an algorithm but that's the whole point of having them there but you know your question is really how do we um, I guess deal with and and look after the human beings that are having to look at some of the most they're at the front lines let's be honest they're, they're the ones looking at every single live stream to determine whether or not a heinous act is being undertaken on it and they have to make a decision on that 
Yeah, they do. I mean, they're not looking at everything. They, they look at flagged content. So this is mm. one of the things that Facebook does. It uses algorithms and then it relies on its community, which is you and I and all mm. of the other Facebook users, to flag content that we find inappropriate. So does Facebook also struggle with the fundamental difficulty of online behaviour that I guess we feel empowered to use more inflammatory language online that we seem to be in the real world? I mean, I just look at my feeds of social media and feel like I don't think people would say that in the real world at all. Well, no, absolutely. They they are more likely to say things online, and particularly if we're dealing with anonymity. It's a, a psychological thing called disinhibi- disinhibition. Disinhibition, right. Yeah, so it's much easier for me to yell at you on social media mm. than it would be for me to do that face-to-face. Because we are disconnected um, yes. in reality, uh, even though... For the most part, we are exactly as connected, if not more so, than, than in reality in, in many cases. And I, I think it's interesting because I read that one of the co-founders of Twitter thinks the internet is fundamentally broken. Ironically enough, primarily due to the open expression we have in society right now. And I guess, does that mean, uh, and, and I'm not asking for your, your assertion here, but just in, in what you've seen, in your judgment, do you think that we're actually just going to have to get used to this as the new norm, this hyper-expressive state that we now live in? Oh, God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> um, look, I think we, we are kind of getting used to it. I, I don't think that we should be getting used to it. I think we should be striving to be much better as human beings um, and and not disintegrating it. As the internet is the place that we make it. Yeah. You know, so if we want to go about being awful online, then we don't really have much of a right to complain when it becomes an awful place, you know. And Mm. the problem that I have is that we do complain when things are awful and we complain to the one group of people who have some of the least amount of control. Moderators can't control what you post online. not the we can't, they can't, they're not they're not at the they're not there at the point of data entry they're they're at the point of flagging so yes, therefore exactly. they, they they're not there to um i guess in the maybe it's the wrong word maybe moderation is the wrong word because we think of a moderator someone sitting between two people in a in a room you know who could put their hand up and say i don't think that was appropriate but we're actually not saying it at that point until the other person has been affected by it in an online world are you no, you're not. For the most part, you're not. Some people do a thing called pre-moderation, which is yep. nothing can be posted on my site until I say so. So that's probably closer to the kind of moderation that you're talking about. But if Facebook tried to institute pre-moderation, nothing would ever get posted on Facebook. Yeah, and the clicks wouldn't uh, wouldn't appear, the links wouldn't happen, the likes wouldn't be there, and the and the metrics of the internet would uh, come tumbling down and, and media companies would fail. I mean, it's a, yeah. the, the world is now fundamentally built on that. I think the interesting thing, though, we've talked about computers, we've talked about human moderation. Where's this all heading? Uh, is computer intelligence getting better? Um, or will the need for moderation always outstrip the computing powers available? Look, the computer algorithms are getting better as they're learning more things and people are writing better code that helps them to actually become learning algorithms so they can start to learn this stuff. But algorithms are blunt instruments no matter what you do with them because, as I said, they have to be taught to learn what they need to learn. So you will always need a human moderator at the end. If there is a dispute about whether or not an algorithm has got something correct, as happens on Facebook, why was this photograph, you know, removed? Hmm. Because the algorithm's gone, oh, nudity. 
but it's it's just a normal piece of art. Um, yeah, isn't it? So, that, that's so that's the conflict. Flag. Yeah, and that's the conflict, and that's when a human eye is required. Now, Facebook's 3,000 new moderators, which brings their global total up to 7,500 moderators, with, you know, was it something like 6.1 million complaints made every flagged items every week? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a task. An overworked workforce by any stretch of the imagination. Now, add in the fact that most of those people are on contract or casual work, so zero-hour contracts if they're in places like Europe, not actually being paid very well, mm. then, you know, you're also looking at a highly stressed workforce making rapid decisions with mm. very broad guidelines. That's kind of a recipe for disaster, which is why a lot of people on Facebook, so say, for instance, you guys have a Facebook presence, mm. you know, and, and you've got a social media manager there or a community manager yeah. who deals with your Facebook page. Now, they'll have set community guidelines themselves, which yep. will be tighter than Facebook's community guidelines. Yeah, so we always need that trickle down into the individuals, you know, whether it's us as individuals or businesses, to to understand that we must take some control to uh, to keep an eye on things, to, to keep um, an eye over things and never rely on the computers for... Uh, for the whole um, box and dice of moderation and things like that. There's, and unfortunately, we have to have the conversation with our kids that they will uh, at some point see things online they probably don't want to see or shouldn't see. And, you know, that's part of parenting in the modern age, which is a whole other rabbit hole we don't need to go down to tonight. Yeah. But, um, um, it is fascinating. Um, you've obviously done a lot of research into it, and we, we sincerely appreciate your insights. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Beckett from the School of Culture and Communications at the University of Melbourne, thank you for your time. Not a problem. Thank you. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. We do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel. Now, Alcatel, I just did a search on Big W. There are at least eight phones available right now at, at uh, Big W from Alcatel. There are anything from the simple little um, uh, button phones, feature phones, I think they like to call them, $29, $39. These are 3G phones, so if you're upgrading from a 2G network, the uh, Alcatel 3G phones will get you through. Excuse me. And uh, then there's the Pixie, Pixie, Pixie First, uh, Pixie 3.5, you know, talking $59, $99. But if you want to step it up a bit, the Alcatel Pixie 4, which is a six inch smartphone, currently $249, uh, which is a $50 saving at Big W. So the Alcatel Pixie 4, six inch Android smartphone, um, cracking little device worth a look at. And if you want to go a little bit uh, more affordable than that, $128 gets you the Alcatel Pop. Uh, so the Pixie and the Pop, available now at Big W. Check them out. Just go to places like Big W and search Alcatel, or, of course, you can search Alcatel online. Nice and easy. Check them out. Alcatel. Now, a great little initiative from a company that gets a little bit of abuse now and then, Uber. Now, the thing is, and I said this last night on the radio, Uber cop a fairly bad rap versus the taxi industry and whatnot. But, geez, you know, when was the last time the taxi industry did anything to, to try and really innovate in this space? Yeah, they've launched a new app, but it doesn't work as well as Uber. It's just not as good, right? But the other thing they, that I've not, I mean, yes, they're amazing at sometimes providing um, like taxi assistance to things like the Anzac marks and stuff like that. But on a mass scale like this, I've never seen the taxi industry do anything uh, of the sort. Now, Uber this Sunday is allowing you to open up the Uber app and choose clothing drive. And they are 
sending a driver to your home to pick up a bag of clothes that you can then have taken to the Red Cross. So here's how it works. You've got old jumpers, jackets, scarves, or other clothes uh, that are in saleable condition. So they're not rags. They're, they're something you could sell. Um, put them in a bag, okay? Wrap them up. Hail an Uber. And the Uber will come to your house. You run out, throw it in the back seat, and they'll take it to a Red Cross. All free. You don't pay a cent. Uh, there's some Nova sponsorship there. So uh, well done to the people at Nova Entertainment, um, Uber, and the Red Cross. And the idea here is to, is to get so many clothes that they could sell a million dollars worth of clothes. So they're basically creating stock for the Red Cross stores, and the Red Cross stores then have stock to sell and make money from. And if they could make a million bucks, that'll make a big difference to the Red Cross. So Uber is connecting us with the Red Cross. It's very, very cool. Um, so I just love the idea. I think it's well worth getting behind. I've definitely got too many jackets. Um, I really only need, you know, my suit jackets, forget those, but I really need one kind of heavy jacket and one light jacket. So I'm going to bundle up the rest, including all the bloody jackets I've got because I've had on the Today Show or whatever, um, the heated jackets and things. I'm going to put them all in boxes and bags and I'm going to Uber this Sunday. Before I fly out to London, I'm going to Uber, Uber the heck out of it and uh, donate them all to uh, the Australian Red Cross. Great initiative from Uber. Well done. And, uh, and if you want more information, I've written that up at eftm.com.au. So nice and easy to find. Check it out, eftm.com.au. So overnight in Shanghai, Microsoft unveiled the new Surface Pro. Now, this is not the Surface Pro 5. It's just the Surface Pro. So they've dropped the numbers, um, and they just keep pushing um, innovation here. Very, very nice stuff. So the new Pro, new pen, uh, a new type of cover, uh, and it all works with the dial. So it's a whole ecosystem they're building. Now, the new Surface Pro starts at $1,200. Um, that's, uh, that's got an Intel Core M processor, I think, in it. But you can go up to four grand for an Intel Core i7. Um, the new Surface Pen has uh, a huge um, jump in uh, pressure sensitivity with, I think, 4,096 um, points of sensitivity, uh, which it all matters when you're trying to make a, a replicate genuine handwriting and drawing and things like that. Um, and then they've, they've kind of redesigned the type cover a bit. So very, very nice. Now, they're taking pre-orders now. Um, I don't have a date on when they'll be available, actually. I'm just looking at that now thinking, no, there is no date. Um, but it won't be too far away because they're pushing these things big time. We'll have the uh, new Surface laptop will be in store next month. Um, I think this adds to it, plus the Surface Studio. They've got a really nice lineup of product now at Microsoft. And you know the interesting thing? They're calling this the most versatile laptop. So they're really pushing hard into that uh, laptop market, and I think this works for them heavily in a corporate environment. So a lot of corporates buy their, their people high-end laptops, but they're clunky, big, and, and chunky to carry around. So pushing a Surface uh, appeals to the staff, and all you got to do is getting using, get them using them to realize that it does actually do everything you need it to do. So, yeah, really, really cool new product. Looks nice. Uh, looks very, very similar to the Surface Pro 4, to be honest. But, um, yeah, a whole new Surface from Microsoft. So check that one out. The details, the pricing up at eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, well, um, if you don't mind, it'd be great if you downloaded the next episode of Two Blokes Talking Tech. It is the 300th episode of Two Blokes Talking Tech. Recording that one tomorrow with Stephen Fennick. 
Um, and then we're both actually off to uh, London on Sunday. We'll be in uh, London next week uh, with Intel. And then the week after, we'll be in San Jose, USA for Apple's WWDC. I'll try and push out a little podcast uh, in between all of that and somewhere over there. Uh, just rantings and ravings of a crazy man, really, because I won't be doing calls and things. But, uh, yes, we'll, we'll do our best to push something out for you in the next week and a half. I'll be in London, San Jose. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, at Trevor Long. Jump on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long or forward slash EFTM online or both. Um, appreciate your support and appreciate your ratings too on the iTunes store. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave a comment. And of course, if you know someone who could be Australia's next tech blogger, get them in touch because we are looking to take someone to Las Vegas with us next January as a part of the EFTM crew. If you've got an interest in tech, an interest in writing, maybe you could be Australia's next tech blogger. Look forward to hearing from all the entrants over the weeks ahead. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Back again next week. (laughs) 